Today is Saturday, January 25th, 2014, and this is Radio Wave. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us on tonight's broadcast of Radio Wave. Generally, in the normal course of events, a friend of Medjugorje is here in the studio with us, and uh, he's currently away at a very important convention, which you probably will hear about in the coming days here. But uh, So he is not with us in the studio tonight. So we thought that tonight we would do something a little bit differently with the broadcast. It's going to be a little bit different from the normal uh, 25th message broadcasts uh, that you would normally hear when a friend of Medjugorje is with us here in the studio. So we're going to be uh, doing a little bit of reflecting throughout the course of this broadcast. So uh, we open our hearts in prayer tonight, and uh, Joan is going to read for us the message that we received earlier today through Maria, January the 25th, 2014. Our Lady Queen of Peace of Medjugorje is January 25th. 2014th Monthly Message to the World Dear children, pray, pray, pray for the radiance of your prayer to have influence on those whom you meet. Put this sacred scripture in a visible place in your families and read it so that the words of peace may begin to flow in your hearts. I am praying with you and for you, little children, that from day to day you may become still more open to God's will. Thank you for having responded to my call. Well, friend of Medjugorje, he's fond of quoting Mother Teresa and saying, never be too organized, because if you do, you kill the Holy Spirit. So we're going to go off of that premise tonight. We aren't too organized, and in the last few hours uh, have been going in different directions. Hopefully we've found the right direction. As Our Lady said tonight, be still more open to God's will. So that's what we've been trying to find tonight in, in uh, speaking in the place of a friend of Medjugorje. But with this year, we've entered our 25th year. Uh, it, as as far as the anniversary goes of the apparitions that took place here in 1988-1989. And we began the year as we begin every year in our community. We, at midnight, will pray rosary to pray, give the first hour of the new year to Our Lady. And in between each decade, we spontaneously pick a message out of words from heaven. And then that becomes our first novena of the year. We do an, 
a rosary novena where we meet most often together in community. And in between each of the decades of the rosary, we will reread the messages. Those are the words that Our Lady gives us to begin the year. And we're always praying that she would lighten up her plans for us or help us to understand where, what her thoughts are concerning the community, where she wants to take us, direct us through the direction of a friend of Medjugorje. And so we began to do this in front of a beautiful altar that we had put together for the new year. And Our Lady not only brought us through that first novena, but because we are, strive to be a community, as she said in June of last year, to be a one single people who listen to the Word of God and carry it out, she directed us after that first novena to begin another novena. So we just finished that novena two days ago. So we've been in prayer with the community for this entire year so far, and it's been beautiful. We've been doing a lot of reminiscing, and um, we're actually, as Ray has mentioned, going to be doing some of that reminiscing with you tonight in our 25 years of history. So what does that have to do with the message of Our Lady today? Well, the message always comes through where you are at personally. And so because this is where we are in our community, reminiscing the last 25 years, our foundation, Our Lady's first apparitions here, etc. As a friend of Medjugorje has taught us, you never look at one message and just try to penetrate that one message, but every message is connected to every other message Our Lady has given And so when she says today, pray, pray, pray for the radiance of your prayer to have an influence on those whom you meet. It's not a single message or a single event that we are looking at when we speak about the radiance of your prayer. But because Our Lady said here, in fact, tomorrow was the the last apparition in 1989 when when Maria uh, left here. And the message that Our Lady left on that day was, Dear children, I desire that your lives become prayer. And so the radiance of your prayer should become the radiance of your life. And so it's the radiance of your life that should influence all those whom you meet. So we're going to play a clip for you. This is a clip from a talk that a friend of Medjugorje gave uh, in the mid-90s. And he speaks of stories that those of us who grew up in the community remember very fondly. His understanding of Scripture, the simplicity in which he approached Scripture and the message, is very much the foundation of where Our Lady began with him in his spiritual life and with the community. So we'll take a listen to this. The centurion at the foot of the cross was standing there and he says, these few words, he says, surely this was the Son of God. Ale has told us in Medjugorje to go deeper into the scriptures, to read the scriptures. If someone is saying that, that means at that point, at the point of Jesus' death, after that, then he says, if he says this is the Son of God, he recognized that. He may have been struggling before that. But it's at that point where he says, for sure, 
I heard about it, I thought about it, but surely this is the Son of God. Earthquakes had happened, the sky had darkened, but at that point he began to believe. On Pentecost, 3,000 people converted. Many of those must have heard about Jesus before that. The scriptures tell us there was talk all over Israel about it. There's probably no one at that time that didn't hear about Jesus. But there was a lot of controversy about him. There was a lot of confusion over him. People rejected it. You can reason out. Human nature will tell you. I used to work a lot of people. And what one would do, you could count on the next one doing. Water goes down a hill. The easiest course, it will, even though it has a million courses it can take, it will go the absolute easiest course. So if you learn this, and you learn about human nature, you can deduce what people did 2,000 years ago as well as they do today. There was a blacksmith, I'm sure, in Jerusalem. There was a shoe cobbler. If there were amongst those who converted after Christ's death, what would you do? Would you not go to the apostle Peter and say, what was it like when Jesus debated the Pharisees? What was it like when he healed the blind? Well, where are you? Don't you run this shop right here? We must have passed here a hundred times. I was too busy. I didn't, I didn't accept that. All right? Whatever excuse it might have been. He missed the time of grace. His conversion was bittersweet. He could have had Jesus in the flesh walking. And the blacksmith, or the shoe cobbler rather, do you not think they may have gone to Mary and say, what was he like? What is it like when he made the cripple walk? What was it like with him in the manger? Well, where were you? We, he spoke on this corner. He, he's been here. For three years he spoke around here. I was too busy. I had my occupation. Or I, I, I didn't, I, I, you know, whatever the excuse may have been. They missed the time of grace. As I said, this was a common theme of a friend of Medjugorje in the very beginning days of this community's foundation. And it was something that touched my heart very strongly and encouraged me towards really going to Our Lady and seeking the will of God for my life that ended up in a calling and then along with my brother community members that joined within the same few years as I. And this was the beginning of, of a mission that has now grown worldwide, based in witness, based in the radiance of an individual's life that influenced now millions of people. And so in looking at this life, we, we see that God will use anyone that will place their lives in his hands. That's the call. And that we all have that ability to give to Our Lady our own lives, that she can use it for the conversion of the world. In order to have that radiance, you have to have prayer. In order to have prayer, you have to break away. You have to sometimes go on top of a mountain, get away, and in that encounter with God, you're going to want to bring that radiance down the mountain and share it. 
And we see that very clearly in our little area because we live amongst mountains. We often climb those mountains. But we can never stay up on those mountains because we have work to do on coming down and sharing it with others. I want to build a house up on this mountain Way up high where the peaceful waters flow To quench my thirsty soul Up on the mountain I can see for miles up on this mountain Troubles seem so small they almost disappear Lord, I love you Up on the mountain My faith is strengthened by all that I see You make it easy for me on the mountain Oh, up on the mountain I would love to live up on this mountain And keep the pain of living life so far away But I know I can't stay on the mountain I said I don't look wherever you lead for where you are is where I most want to be and I can tell we're headed for the valley it's my faith is
The way of life that Our Lady established here, uh, really preceding 25 years ago, but uh, particularly think, just thinking about the apparitions from 1988 to 1989, is, is a beautiful life. It's a life that many people do see as being one that's up on the mountain, and it is, in many respects, it is. Um, or this life requires a lot of sacrifice in order to maintain the joy of that way of life. But nevertheless, uh, what what people see as the witness of what Our Lady has done with a friend of Medjugorje through the course of the, these past 25-plus years is uh, something that, uh, that people long for in their own lives. And uh, we were just digging through just a few uh, audio clips from our from just some of the things from the past. And um, there was a clip we came across where a friend of Medjugorje, and it's only a couple of minutes long here, but a friend of Medjugorje was t telling a story, just a something, a little something from behind the scenes. And what he was talking about is people who have, uh, people in the world uh, are inundated with so much bad news. And of course, Our Lady in today's message speaks about the radiance of prayer to have an influence for sacred scripture, to bring words of peace to our hearts, and uh, from day to day to be more open to God's will. And of course, a lot of these things are difficult for people who live uh, in the inundations of the world, and it's bad news and what it brings and how it affects you and your outlook and your opinions and your attitudes and everything else in your prayer life. But uh, a friend of Medjugorje was just telling a little story about something that had happened just behind the scenes that we'll play for you here. And uh, we, uh, it's, it kind of explains a little bit more, a little bit more intimately, uh, what what something Our Lady does just with our life here and what she gives us in the good news. So we know that the Scripture is the good news and God has that for us in our daily life, good news for us. And so uh, this is a friend of Medjugorje, a talk that he gave a number of years ago, and he's telling a story about uh, some of the, our daily news that we have here in our community. And it's not what you would find on the evening news, but uh, what our evening news is. And so uh, we're going to play that for you right now. We built a whole new world without God. We do not consult him. It's interesting that our lady says with the same message, I invite you to life and change all the negative in you so that it all turns into a positive and life. Some people watch life on TV. Some people live it. We live it here. Actually, very few people live life today. They're all watching it. Dear children, I'm with you, and I desire to help each of you to live, and by living, to witness the good news. What is the good news? This is 1991. Our Lady just told us this month, December 2nd, to Mariana, I call you to be my apostles of holiness so that through you the good news may eliminate all those whom you meet. There was a lot of people that got, came for bad news in Pennsylvania that got a lot of good news. In fact, Curry, who I don't know that, who that is, she's NBC's Today show host. You may know her if you watch TV, I don't. But she says later, later after interviewing this Amish guy, well, she cried. She says, I realized I did not know what forgiveness was until then. She got good news. 
What did it do? It illuminated all those whom you meet. Who are you illuminating with good news? How are you affecting people in that way? Is the kids all outside? Where's Bridget? This is good news. The news yesterday during Mass. She'd die if she knew I had this. Uh, Annette pinched me on the shoulder and said uh, to look down. And she had the, during Mass, she was writing uh, my steward offerings. And she writes on it, she says, I'm nine years old. I know I have not been given money, but I will try. This is the news of the evening. This is our news. Two weeks ago, she was in Mass, and Father, father picks up the, the, Father has this, we have over at St. Mark's a Bible that's solid gold. It's really pretty. I don't know if you noticed yesterday in the Mass. Really shiny. Well, he picked that up during Mass, during consecration, and he just, the way he did it was just so reverent. And I thought, wow, if the Holy Word is revered the way he's holding it that way, what should we be thinking about the cup and about Jesus being consecrated here in a little bit? That's exactly what I thought. She leans over to me watching the same scene. I'm not realizing she's watching. She says, I want a Bible just like that. Afterwards, see, that's the news. That's joy. Our world that we built is bring joy to our heart. Now, that might not be the theology we want her to have looking at that gold stuff, but it's life, real life. And these are the daily takes we have on our news, and it's our joy. You know, this rodeo, I, know, I don't know how much Joan went into it, but... To have a 70-pound kid grab a 400-pound steer and bring both of them to the ground like that was, was joy that is hard to believe. I mean, we never expected it. But there again, we know God gives us this when we turn toward him. The joys in everyday life that what the world offers takes away. So you're losing. You're losing by keeping the things you think that if you give up, that you'd lose something. Our Lady's calling us to restructure our life, to change it. Our Lady often brings up about reading sacred scripture. And these are just a few of the things she told us that we would receive when we read the word of God. She says, reading the word of God will be light in our darkness, will teach us how to live in the grace of God, will lead us to feel the need for holiness, will lead us to discover the message in sacred scripture that is meant for us individually, will help us to discover the true reason for her coming in the apparitions in Medjugorje. It will bring about joy through leading to a meeting with God. We will come to understand how much God loves us. Reading sacred scripture will teach us prayer with a heart and lead us to have our thoughts on God. It will bring about renewal. 
It will mold us into becoming teachers of the faith in our families. It will help us to understand the signs of the time. It will make us a child of the light and not of the darkness. It will prepare us to look at Jesus eye to eye and to teach us how to joyfully live the messages of the gospel. It will help us to become for us the light of salvation, the light of common sense. It will reveal to us the commandments of God and that they are truly the measure of our lives. It will teach us to understand how God loves his people. And as Our Lady said today, read sacred scripture, put in a visible place in your families so that the words of peace may begin to flow in your hearts. And what a friend of Medjugorje was just saying in his in the clip that we just played for you is is the life that you will get when you do this. The beauty of that way of life is something, of course, it doesn't come without a cost. It comes with a lot of sacrifice, a lot of prayer, and a lot of things that God will extract from you in order to have that. But the price that you pay for that and that God will pay you in return is uh, something that uh, that cannot be measured, and God will always give you back more than what you could possibly uh, put into it. So, uh, again, uh, we we just been taking some time to reminisce a little bit about our way of life, and as Joan mentioned earlier, tomorrow, which is January the 26th, uh, would actually be was the last day 25 years ago, the last apparition that had taken place during that first series of apparitions back in 1988 and 1989. And what Our Lady has birthed here in the period of time since then is uh, something where the radiance of that prayer has not only had influence on the people who have uh, joined this community, who have been influenced by that and joined the community, but those of you out there who from your homes are uh, being led towards uh, a way of life that is similar to this, and what it is that Our Lady wishes to establish in the future. There's been a lot, uh, the clip that we played earlier to, uh, for you today about the scripture, that, those were the things that a friend of Medjugorje would speak about when speaking about belief in the apparitions or our response to Our Lady's call about the centurion, about the shoe cobbler, about the blacksmith. These were reasonings that were scripture-based reasonings on why would you miss that time of grace while Our, Lady, while Our Lady's appearing. And in the last days, there's been a lot of a buzz in the Medjugorje world in regards to uh, the commission that was uh, assigned to study the apparitions that has just held their last meeting. And there's been a lot of news, a lot of buzz, and people that have been uh, speaking about it uh, quite often. And uh, for us here, it's um, we're at peace. Our life is peace. Our Lady said that uh, the Scripture would give you words of peace. And uh, the reason why we have peace, again, is because we have been reflecting a lot on our history and what Our Lady had established here. And so, but we're at peace because we know what Our Lady's done. We have belief in the apparition. And as a friend of Medjugorje has often said, there's no atheism in us in regards to the apparitions. If Our Lady says it, we believe that. And uh, we've seen too much in our history to, uh, to believe anything different. And so what we wanted to in the broadcast with is a little bit of a longer piece that we were going to play for you. It, uh, it's something that uh, was done privately um, for our school. It's, uh, again, there's many, many things that we don't intend for these things to become public. These are just things that we do out of love for one another, love for our children, love for our community. But a number of years ago, uh, a friend of Medjugorje uh, had told the story a, a little bit about that beginning time of the apparitions back in 1988 and 1989. His wife, Annette, had also uh, told her side of the story. They were actually in two different rooms and didn't, um, didn't know each other were being interviewed, and they were actually being interviewed separately from one another. 
And so we put together a little something that had uh, where the two of them were actually telling the story, and you will hear them speaking. Uh, he will speak, and then she will speak. And it's interesting to see their stories weaved together because, of course, like I said, they weren't they weren't together when uh, when they were interviewed. But uh, but to hear their stories come together, you've often heard us tell the story about the beginning days of Caritas. Uh, for those of you that have visited here and have been through the walkthroughs and seen. Uh, heard some of the magnificence of what God has done here, and uh, but not often do you get to hear those stories directly from a friend of Medjugorje and his wife, and so we wanted to take this opportunity to spend uh, these moments to share with you some of that history, so that uh, you can you can see what Our Lady has done, and you also can receive the peace that she desires to establish in your life, and so we're going to go. Uh, to that now, and uh, it's uh, again, it's a little bit uh, rough. This was done some time ago, but um, if you want to lean in a little bit to listen to uh, the story as it's being told, it's a beautiful story uh, that we're uh, so happy to share with you in these days. I moved to Abbey because I wanted to raise my children with a heritage. We bought the land in 77. I think it was a divine origin. I mean, we wouldn't have known this land in five minutes. We walked right to our house to see. Annette and I sat down. I said, we'll build a house right here. Facing not the road, but the field. And then I can remember once we bought the land out here, we would um, come out here on weekends and camp. And we would sit just on the top of the hill um, where the house, is, the house is now facing the field. And we would just sit on that hill under those two big, huge beech trees. And we would just sit there and talk about, we're going to have a house here. It would be facing the field. We knew from that very minute that that's where we wanted our house to be built. And which, the way we wanted it built. And all this was our lady laying this out. And that building site was picked over all the lands here, like an instantaneous knowledge. And I guess that's where I can see, you know, God instilled in us to be out, to be by ourselves, to be on the land, to use the land, to, you know, just, just to be in, say, God's creation in our little valley, you know, we talked, this was our little valley. I was uh, up in the mountains, and uh, there was a bit of snow on the ground. I was back over on uh, the opposite side of the tree, on, on the Ebsco side, Kimberly Clark at that time. I felt just a real strong impulse to pray, and uh, entered in really a deep prayer, you know, and a real communion with God. And uh, I asked God to just let a great city of God rise up from here. Let this be your place this be your valley, this be a place that lives for you and what you want and what your desires are. Uh, I wasn't thinking some enormous, you know, downtown Birmingham or Detroit, that thing, but something, a, a real city of David, a real, real place of God, uh, that he dwell here and that, that this be of his orchestration. But the, the, 
the words weren't so much of what I do remember those few details about the words, but the, the depth of it was I, I felt God was hearing me. But I was walking by the tree and I stopped and paused and I remember looking at it and thought, this is so odd. What is this tree doing out here? I re really asked, remember asking that question to myself. And I'm a little mystified. Uh, and I can say that's the earliest uh, thought that I had. I didn't tie it to divine nature or something, or divine, something of a divine nature, rather. But I tied it. The, there was a pause God gave me by the angels or whatever that made me think there's something special about this tree. I remember, you know, we would go out to this field so many times. I mean, I remember being out at, you know, and we would go out and just kind of kneel around the tree and pray and say a rosary. Um, you know, Colin Case were three and four, so they were playing in the dirt and chasing the cows. And, you know, but this one particular day, um, you know, I remember Colin Casey being right there close to me, um, and then Terry being right there. And um, you know, I remember Terry saying, "You know, let's let's um, let's say our prayers around this tree." Um, you know, I can kind of almost remember him either. You know, all of us were like putting our hands like on this tree, kind of like around. We were like on the back side, really, actually, the way Our Lady faces facing Caritas. We were on that backside facing Caritas also. And, um, you know, I can remember Terry praying a, a really long prayer. How the consecration took place is we decided to go out there. And I think it was a picnic. I can't remember the details. And uh, Annette and I, Kyle and Casey, we gathered, uh, I told them gather our hands around it, hand to hand around the tree. And we said a prayer, and we ended by consecrating the tree uh, by saying, we consecrate this tree to you, God, that all who see it see God in it. Um, I'm really sad because I can't remember really anything in it other than it really does stand in my mind. Um, all who see this tree see God in it. And I can remember thinking, who in the world is going to see this tree out in the middle of this cow pasture? And I can remember after he said this long prayer, uh, I even asked him that. I said, Terry, who in the world is going to see this tree? There's nobody comes out here, you know, all it's just a bunch of cows. You know, who, who do you think is going to come see this tree? I don't even know why I said that. It was not something profound. I had this great inspiration. I just, it just came out. And I remember walking after the trail after that, I even wonder why I said that. You know, and I can't re really actually remember his answer other than whoever sees this tree sees God in it. Um, I'm sure he probably gave me an answer that was overwhelming it over my head, but uh, that's all I remember about it was just that, you know, who actually sees this tree sees, sees God in it. Um, and so I think at that point God needed that to, to go to his next development of his plans of what he has plans out there today. And we know now consecrations are very, very powerful, very, very strong. And so um, with the tree being consecrated, uh, things I think were put in motion 
that this was consecrated ground. But when I'd been praying for a whole year to be consecrated, and I was brought in with like 20 priests into the apparition room, and the crucifix was over our bed there, above the couch, and this crucifix is there, and I'm looking at it, and I'm seeing the visionary Yaakov and Maria there, and I've been praying for a whole year to be consecrated to Our Lady. I have to say, what's the best place in the world to be consecrated? Right here. And so I turned to Father Roberts, who at the time was there. I says, I didn't know how to do it. I says, would you consecrate me to Our Lady? He embarrassed me, actually. He said, oh, he stops everything, prayer, and told all the priests lay their hands on me. So I got 20 priests lay hands on me and consecrate me to Our Lady, you know, a few moments before the apparition happens. Uh, I didn't know at the time that all that was going to happen, but that was a profound grace. And I think a lot of it uh, began years ago even and, and forming the thoughts and being ready and to a point and just having a business, everything fell in the right place at the right time for Our Lady to come in 1988 for the lands. This, the, when, the cruci when he brought the crucifix home, I knew that he had such a and, and love is not even um, doesn't even touch the expression on his face and, and doesn't even touch just him showing me this crucifix and telling me where this crucifix came from. It was just in every ounce of energy that was in his body and it showed. Um, so this crucifix I knew as soon as he showed me was was really special. Had when he brought it home, I was like, Well, where are we gonna put it? And he was like, Well, I don't know. And um, you know, even in his joy and his excitement, you know, here I said, Well, I, I'm I'm not gonna put I'm not gonna put it over the bed and he was like, Well, that's okay, you know, and it really didn't matter to him, I guess, or he didn't it didn't seem like it mattered to him where uh, it was going to go. And then when Terry um, went to get Maria and came back, was coming back with her, um, oh, let me back up. We had gone to Fatima with uh, Father Rock, Father Ken Roberts, and Colin Casey, and we had and I had bought um, this Fatima statue. When we were in Fatima, I fell in love with this statue. Uh, they had all these statues of Our Lady and this white robe with all these little glittery diamonds on them and just every statue of Our Lady that you can imagine you know and that you've seen they had but they had this one statue and I was so drawn to the statue um, I just thought she had on a beautiful gown and her face was beautiful and I just really loved the statue um, and then I had bought um, this little pedestal that this statue sits on. I don't know, I think when we moved in the house maybe, or before we moved in the house after we had bought the bedroom furniture, um, I was just out shopping one day and found this little pedestal and just thought, you know, that's so pretty, I'll buy this and, um, you know, put it in, put it somewhere in the house or put it in the, you know, I probably thought in the bedroom just because it's the same color as the bed, I kind of feel like I bought it for that but I really didn't know where to put it and I remember that little pedestal 
uh, sat on top of the um, dresser in the bedroom for a long time because I never had anything to put on it and never I didn't buy it to put anything on it I just bought it because I liked it so this little pestle sat in the bedroom for a long time and um, then we had this Fatima statue and it just sat on the um, on the on the little stone fireplace in the living room um, why I put it there you know I really don't know either it just kind of was it was kind of tucked up next to the rocks on the fireplace um, and then the night that Terry was coming home with Maria what was I thinking coming back I was I marveled and when they, they said they get a visa it just like hit me Maria's coming our lady's coming and it was standing in there in the in the uh, embassy uh, amongst people it was like being pulled out of the midst of that scene in a, in a way that I wasn't uh, in myself. Uh, the whole weight and, and, and gravity of that the Mother of God, you know, the same one who appeared in Fatima, the same one who appears in Medjugorje, the same one who's been with us for the centuries, is going to appear you know, in a church in Birmingham because that's where we were with it. A couple of three weeks before, Maria came without having a timetable, she's coming. Uh, that decision to come was on one day's notice. Cyril Collins says, Maria's got to do something. I think you need to come to Medjugorje right now. I said, well, maybe next week too. He says, no, you need to come now. I said, well, you know, I can see about booking. It might take a week. It's going to cost too much money to get a ticket next day. He says, no, you need to get a ticket now. So his urgency in telling me was just something that I think God acted through Cyril at that point was put a real strong thing in him. And so uh, I, I was on the flight the next day. But two weeks before that, so I, I didn't know that, okay? Rapid thing that happened, actions of grace. Two weeks before that, I was laying in the bed. I felt a tremendous urge to get out of the bed and go grab the crucifix that's to the right of the fireplace laying down and, and just go get it. Once I got there, the next step was is to make the sign of the cross with the crucifix and touch the crucifix on each window. On the left side of the window, the top of the window, and the right side of the window. Throughout the whole house and assign an angel to each window to protect and guard the house. It wasn't for an anticipation of a lady coming. This was just a strong impulse. And I went to the whole house. It took well over an hour. Every door in the house, every door entering each room in the house, but particularly the windows. Uh, I can vividly remember, I don't remember doing the living room windows. I know I did them, but I don't remember the details now. But I vividly remember doing the bedroom windows. And I can see the whole scene of making a sign across uh, with my thumb on both windows and then each window individually, even between the two windows. And after I finished this blessing, asking that our lady send an angel to guard over these windows these portholes into the house and protect the house. And, uh... Um, I just, it was probably after midnight, um, you know, I don't know what time, but I know, like, I had been asleep and woke up during the night, and I just, in my mind, thought, I'm going to get that crucifix, and I'm going to get that statue, and I'm going to get that little pedestal, and I'm going to put it over the bed, and I'm going to put it up on the wall and I'm going to put that pedestal, that statue of Mary on top of that pedestal and put all that over the bed. 
Um, why I thought that, I have no idea, but in my mind, it was completely drawn out. I knew exactly where the statue was going to go. I knew exactly where the pedestal and um, the crucifix was going to go. And there was a fire burning inside of me with excitement. I think I had an excitement to do it for Terry. I don't know, you know, in my heart, I couldn't wait to do it. At that time, I wanted that crucifix and that statue over my bed, and it was such a strong desire. I could say, yes, I was burning, um, and I was so excited. It's probably the most excited I have been in my whole entire life, or just that feeling. It was a definite burning inside of me. I could not go back to sleep. I was so excited. I couldn't wait to get the kids up the next morning to tell them what we were going to do. Um, and it, it really drove, not that it drove me crazy, because it wasn't like a drive you crazy, but it was just such something inflamed inside of me that I could not, I almost wanted to get up during the night and do it. But I lay, I can remember just laying there in the bed, just waiting for morning time. I never went back to sleep. Um, you know, I can't say I laid there and said a rosary and 12 Hail Marys or whatever, but definite God and Our Lady placed something in my heart, the Holy Spirit, to put that over the bed because I was on fire and I really was so excited I couldn't wait until daylight to start getting a nail and pounding in the walls. So, uh, and then I can remember when the kids woke up, you know, the next morning, I told them, I said, we're going to uh, get this statue of Our Lady and this pedestal and this crucifix. We're going to put it all over the bed for Dad. And he is going to be so excited. And I can remember Colin Casey getting so excited, you know, can I get the nails? Can I get the hammer? And, you know, I mean, one time, it took one time to nail it up, and it was there. You know, I can hang a picture today, and I can rearrange it. 12 times before it gets up on the wall right with 12 different nail holes but there was one nail and one spot and that's where it went on that wall and and I know that was that was from God and I called Annette tell her we're coming home and we didn't have a lot of sound conversations really more of a very serious like Annette Maria's coming we're coming there and she says she is I says yeah and that was it it was just like we didn't know what to even say. So we couldn't believe it. We believed it, obviously, but it was like you just question yourself. I can't believe this is really you're just showing up. We've seen these things and it's really being fulfilled. October 6, 86, the prayers, all this. And we were thinking about the consecration because we had in our mind that the apparitions would take place uh, in, in the church. I thought I would love to have one apparition in our house. Uh, Maria comes in and, and I was unaware of anything. As far as crucifix, I didn't know. I, you know, as far as I was concerned, still in the living room, up on the stone beside the laying down. And so, uh, of course, this crucifix is the one Sofco gave. We thought, okay, well, we show her the house. We were getting oriented. We took her upstairs and everything, sure where she'd be sleeping. Then we came downstairs, or and um, I think it was the last room in the house we shown. And we assumed if we did have apparition, of course, that would take place in our living room, so I could do it or be there. Uh, and um, 
you know, after we realized we wouldn't be going to bless the cycle, we began to realize we're with it. So we began to think, well, you know, we have to find some place. Uh, you know, we had the apparition coming up, so we knew that would probably be at the house. And it was going to be in the living room. That's what we already kind of realized. It's the most logical place. So when Maria comes into the bedroom, uh, I'm shocked to see the crucifix and, and the statue up. It was the two little angels was there at that point. Uh, I'm amazed and and, uh, and Annette hadn't told me anything at that point. And Maria immediately sees this crucifix and she's, she's standing at the foot of the bed and Annette and I stand right beside her on either side of her, one step backwards. And Maria says, apparitions would take place here. Very authoritatively, uh, very clear, not forced or demanding, but we're there was no argument. And Annette and I both looked at each other like the bedroom. You know, this is this is the last place we want people to come. Who who comes who invites anybody to the bedroom? You know, it was a joy. It was so exciting to to see how fast so many people came to the house. Um, just the day that St. Rose shut down and you know, whoever wanted to come could come. Uh, to look outside the bedroom window and see, you know, school kids out there and see friends that you knew and, and uh, you know, that was so exciting. But it was, it was so overwhelming. I mean, I was shocked at the people that would just come in and just stay all day long. You know, you couldn't get from the back door to the, to the bedroom um, that just wanted to just be either beside Maria or in the presence of Our Lady just to try to squeeze through all these people to get into my own bedroom. I, I was definitely graced with a big grace. Um, and nevertheless, that's what took place. And then later, sometime, I don't know the sequence of that afternoon or even, and it proceeds to tell me about the crucifix and what happened to her during the night. That, that day, that, that was the first day the crucifix hung on there. And of course, we go back from there, knowing Sofco gave the crucifix, and knowing that Maria had prayed over the crucifix, and knowing that the apparition, hundreds of apparitions already occurred over it. That it, it's clearly, you know, in tracing that back to the, the, the consecration of the tree, and going back from the consecration of the tree to, to the tree being protected, and Mr. Hale, and Logan, and all these events, and just being at the storms, and then putting the house on the hill and seeing that, back to the hunting experience of seeing that. Um, in the midst of that, the 86 message, the divine spirit of the region conversion happened from here. We see that it was just at the interaction of grace in a profound way by the power of the angels that put that crucifix there. And then Maria walks out of the room and her exact words from what I can remember were to the effect, uh, I think our lady wants to start a community here. I remember looking at Terry and us both just kind of looking at each other like, what did she say? <laughs> um, and, I, and I didn't know. I didn't really know what she really meant. Um, and it was very obvious to me that something in the apparition related to her showed her something, a vision, told her something. Something clearly indicated to her that made her come immediately to me at the end of the apparition and say, I think I'll able to start a community here. So, you know, as far as to say exactly what I thought, 
I was excited because I know it was everything that, you know, in your heart, you, not that you want to, that I want to say, I always thought there would be community here. I always thought in my heart that um, my kids would have a bunch of kids to play with. Where they would come from, I never knew. Um, so I can say probably in my heart, there was a joy of, you know, oh, community, oh, lots of kids, oh, you know, neighbors. <laughs> but it was a, it was a kind of a scary thought just because it was like, you know, is she really asking that question? You know, are she really, I mean, is she really getting this, this from Our Lady and, and telling us that, you know, from the Mother of God, she thinks she wants a, a community established here to, to, you know, to just think this goes from from the Mother of God's mouth into Maria's ear out to us is just like, wow, you know, she, is she really speaking of what, you know, in our heart we wanted all our life, but we didn't know how to do it. that I'm in union with people here for the same purpose. There's no greater security for my blood family here than to have people that's around me with the exact same values, the same concepts, the same ideas, that I can give them my automobile and then go out for a week and I don't worry about it, I don't even think about it, or they can come into my house. Who lives this way? And it's a beautiful way to live. But also this touches into the individual family here, the blood relative family here that it's not possible to live as family with my wife and my children the way I live here in the neighborhood that's out there or other people. To really experience family life and to really feel love, to know that you're with the people that are closest to your heart every single day, um, all day long. It's, um, I couldn't imagine experience and trying to experience family life not being here. hard just to put one definition on it. It's a witness. Prayer and fasting and keeping Sundays holy. Um, seeing creation through each other, through nature here. To live this way in peace amidst all the challenges. How they put their faith into practice, taking care of each other's needs. Living first for God. Everyone goes to the same goal. The call we've received from heaven. Simple dependence on God. It's beautiful. Family, friends. One mind, one thought. Close to God. Putting God first and leading others to Him. A simpler way of time, cherishing the land. The life of simplicity. God wants to give us joy. The orientation toward heaven. 
experience of Our Lady. What God had planned for man from the beginning. What makes you live? Jesus' joy. Living for the future. Well, you don't have to grow up and move away. There's never a dull moment. Living spiritually for God. Everything. Where love reigns and Mary of Nazareth is held as queen. Pray, work, and play. Pray, pray, pray. Dirt, patience, and perseverance, minus your will, equals a way of life. Now I really believe almost every step of our house, God designed it. People have to believe that. My personal belief is that this house was inspired, the layout. Now maybe we had love in it because every stone was laid with real love, really given to Our Lady, or to God at that time. But, but it was being built for heritage and for family, that grandkids could be there, a live and die house. This house, when it was thought of, was going to be a house that we died in. We would never move. So there's a lot of spiritual belief in our house, the way it was built, why it was built, the purpose it was built. Barely old enough to call it love, showing off, skipping rocks across the water. Stones, I handed one to you. Yeah, put it in your pocket, said you loved it, said you'd keep it forever. Across the water, stones. We'll build ourselves a home. What loves a cornerstone? We'll have children. They'll have children until they roll off on their own like stones. One by one, they mark our passing. And dodging lots of sticks and stones And I've been on both sides of the road Stones Years are like the wind They're here and gone And then they'll blow away 
our every trace all except our names engraved in stones one by one they mark our passage along this winding road we're on with each turn we from the cradle to the grave, our lives are paved with stones. And so, what kind of life are you building for yourself and for your family and for your future? Are you seeking a life open to God's will, where the sacred scripture becomes alive and becomes visible for you? And the radiance of your prayer has an influence upon everyone whom you meet. Those of you who follow this mission, to follow the writings of a friend of Medjugorje, this is your heritage. What you just heard, this is your heritage for your future. If you wish to continue to follow this path, those of you throughout the world who are listening to this and those who will be listening to it later in their cars or wherever they might be, are you open to God's will? what it is that he desires to establish for the future of the world through Our Lady's plans at Medjugorje. Community is the plan. Community is the future. And it's for you if you desire it, if you wish for that. And so we share our heritage with you in the hopes that you would choose this for your own heritage, for peace, for you, for your family, for your future. We also invite you to join us for the third new communities convention that's going to be held April the 29th through May the 1st. In order to attend that, you have to have read They Fired the First Shot, 2012. And again, those of you who have read the book, you understand its connection to community and the plan for Our Lady's Plan for the Future, not only for rescuing our nation, but also for the whole world. And so we invite you to join us uh, April the 29th through May the 1st for the third How-To New Communities Convention. And so we thank you for being with us tonight and on behalf of a friend of Medjugorje, Caritas of Birmingham, the community of Caritas, Medjugorje.com and Radio Wave. We wish you, Our Lady. We love you. Good night. <laughs>